Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Lucky enough to spend with you, Be'ezat Hashem, the next 45 minutes to an hour. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Nisim, from Jerut Radio. Borei Olam Shegivim the Kochot and Siata Dishmaya to continue to be Marbitz Torah and Chizuk to Am Yisrael in such a warm and beautiful way that only he knows how to do. Amen. Life is about opportunities and how lucky we are. Every day that phone rings and Borei Olam sends us another opportunity. You know what goes up must come down. And we're coming now from such unbelievable days of inspiration. We're coming from the awesome days of Purim. We're coming from the dancing and the Simcha and the moments that this great month of Adar, little by little, is beginning to come to an end. And we're preparing ourselves from a Nisan, what do we walk out from this great Chag of Purim, a message as we enter Nisan and the days before the great Chag of Pesach? I believe that one of the greatest messages that was cried out from Mordechai and Esther was the message of a Jew answering their calling in life. And when that phone rings, you got to answer the call. And you'll see, you'll find out that success has nothing to do with our kohot, with our talents or ability. Success is in the hands of Bore Olam. He's the one that makes us succeed. And he's the one that chooses at times for our best to make us not successful. Success or failure is not in our hands. We have to do our efforts at the best we can, with whatever we can. The choice we have is only in the choice to act. When we get a calling in life, when the phone begins to ring and Borei Olam sends us opportunities, it is our choice to decide whether to jump up and grab the opportunity and step up to the moment. What comes out after that? That's Borei Olam. Hashem takes care of everything from beginning to end, and He decides the outcome. Nobody else but Him. What I would like to demonstrate and show, just through the moments from the beginning till the very end of the story of Purim that we just celebrated, and now going into Pesach as well. How, let's think for a moment, could you imagine in your mind's eye a long line of all these maidens waiting for the approval of Ahasuerosh. And there sitting was Esther, wondering, what is she doing here? What am I doing amongst the goyim? What am I doing? Standing here in a pageant, waiting to come in front of Rasha, like Ahasuerosh. The wife of Mordechai, what am I doing here on this line? After six months, of preparations to finally come in front of this, this, this Rasha, this Goy, this king. 
I'm sure she must have thought 50 times to get off that line and to go back home. But this was a calling. Klal Yisrael needed an incredible Yeshua. And this is exactly the words that Mordechai tells Esther, where finally Esther was brought to that incredible moment, chosen as queen, and later on, at the toughest moments of the Gezerah, Mordechai tells Esther, who knows? Who knows the real reason you were brought to Malchut, if not for this calling to act and to save Klal Yisrael at the moment that they needed you the most? Do you know how many miracles Borei Olam did for Esther HaMalka, even at those first moments that she stood in front of Ahasuerosh? You know, the Pasuk writes that when her turn came, the Esther Nosot Chen Be'ene Kol Ro'eha. Esther, great Chacham Ovadi Yosef, Zechet Tzadik Lebracha, in his work, Ateret Zahav on Megillat Esther. Be'ene Kol Ro'eha. Esther found grace. She found chen in the eyes of all those present that saw her. Why would we need her to find chen and grace in the eyes of all the people? All we really needed is for her to find chen in the eyes of the king. He's the only one that's choosing. He's the only one that really counted. Ahasuerosh likes you. You can become queen. He doesn't like you. Well, then it matters not what everyone else thinks. But yet the pasuk goes out of its way to say that she found grace in the eyes of everyone present. Says Chacham Obadia, Zechet Sadik Lebracha, as he brings a medrash, this fantastic medrash. Medrash says that Hashem made an incredible miracle. He made a miracle that when Esther came in front of Ahasuerosh, all the people that were there from all the different countries, as they looked upon Esther, a miracle took place. They saw in front of their eyes a girl that appeared to them like the girls of their own native country. So the Italians looked at Esther and they saw an Italian girl. And the Chinese people present looked at Esther and saw a Chinese girl. And all the different denominations of nations that were presented there in front of the king, when they looked at this girl, they saw a girl from their own country. And like this, everyone jumped upon the grace upon seeing Esther HaMalka. Ask Chacham why did Hashem need to make such a miracle? It's an amazing thing. Incredible how all the nations and present of people, when they looked at her, they saw their own hometown girl. But, but what would be the benefit of such miracles? Again, the only one that really counted was Ahasuerosh. Chamovadi answers an amazing answer. If you know a little bit about behind the scenes, what's written in the Midrash and in the Gemara, what took place, originally how Vashti got killed. It was the night of the great parties. And it was there that there were representatives of all the nations of the different countries in the world. And the peoples over there between the nations were fighting. Each representative of different countries, they were fighting out, claiming that the women of their nations were more fair than all the other women of the world. And they were fighting back and forth, trying to prove that they had the more fair people of the world at that time. Sure enough, Midrash writes that Ahasuerus turned to all them present, and he told them, you're all wrong. My queen Vashti, 
She's the fairest of them all. And they said, really? Prove it. Ahasuero says, absolutely. I'm going to call her out. Now, knowing the goyim, and to use the proper description, the Midrash tells us that all the countries present said to Ahasuerosh, you may call her out, but only on the condition that she comes out with nothing on. Ahasuerosh agreed, but Vashti, of course, did not. Later on, Vashti gets killed. At that moment, the door was opened for Esther to come in and the Yeshua of Am Yisrael. Now take a look, says Hamobadia. If that's the way Vashti got killed, because she was going to be put into a position to be brought out in such a terrible, degrading, non-sinua way, in order to prove to the rest of the goyim that Ahasuerosh's queen is the fairest of them all, could you imagine Hasve Shalom if that would repeat itself again when Esther takes the seat of queen? And because of that, Bode Olam, says Hamobadia, made an amazing miracle. Esther, you stepped up to a calling that was unthinkable. You literally sacrificed your life for the Yeshua of Klal Yisrael. Says Bore Olam, you answer the call, you stepped up to your mission, I'll take care of the rest. With miracles, I'll take care of you. I'll work out all the details because you jumped in and was ready to do when I called upon you for Klal Yisrael. Take a look at this miracle. Right when she presented herself, all the nations present, Hashem made that miracle. They looked upon Esther and they saw a girl that looked exactly like the girls of their country. And now look what they said to themselves. They say, ah, look at this. Ahasuerosh finally took a girl from our country. So now each one thought that they won the bout, the debate. Each one thought that Be'emet, take a look, ours were better than the rest. Take a look at the new queen. She's from ours. She's one of us. And because of that, Borei Olam was able to protect Esther and most of all, never to put a Ba'Israel in a position that would compromise her tziniut. Hashem was ready to make miracles, turn the world upside down, and manipulate every moment of that pageant just to protect Esther HaMalka, one Ba' Yisrael, from a position that her tziniut has shalom could be compromised. Take a look. Step up to the mission, and Bore Olam will take care of the rest. I want to tell you one more idea. I'd like you to hear the idea of the great Chatam Sofer, who also asks the very question of Chacham of course, earlier. But he gives a little bit of a different answer. And he says that when you step up to your mission in life, it doesn't have to be from the biggest things. It even could be a small calling where you'll see something happening and you know you could step up and make a change for the better. Or you can make a Kiddush Hashem. Or maybe, maybe you could save Shalom in a family. Or you can come through on a chesed at a moment that somebody else needs it the most. But the moment you step up to that mission and you answer that call, says Chatam Sofer, Borei Olam gifts you with all the kochot and all the abilities to succeed. And look at this. If I were to ask you, what would be 
the greatest mission to go and label Esther's presence now in the palace of Ashverosh. She was going to be the one to bring down Haman Harasha. That was going to be her tafkid. That's why Hashem brought her to the castle. She was going to be the embodiment. She's going to be the catalyst that's going to bring down a Haman. Now look at the unbelievable miracle, says Hatam Sofer. Nos'et chen kol ro'eha. Says Hatam Sofer, you know who else was there? Haman was there. Sure enough, just like everybody present, just like all the peoples of the different nations, that when they looked at Esther, they saw a girl from their own country, their own hometown. When Haman looked at Esther, he saw a girl that appeared to him as an Amaleki girl. And that's why Haman never worried about the queen. Didn't we ever think about this for a minute? Haman is rising to power. He's worried about Mordechai. He's upset about Klal Yisrael. He's looking how to manipulate and buy off the king. But never do you find in the Megillah that he tries to get the edge with the queen. Why not? She's just an unbelievable superpower there as well. You're talking about the queen. Nonetheless, now you know why. Says the Khatam Sofer, when Haman looked at Esther, Hashem made a miracle. Just like everybody saw the girl from their hometown, Haman, when he looked at Esther, he saw an Amaleki girl. He said, ah, the queen, she's one of us. She's a shoo-in. Oh, I know that she definitely is on the same page with me. My whole worry is only the king. My whole worry is only Mordechai. And sure enough, that is exactly from the place that he never believed he would have any problem, Haman, that was the very place that Borei Olam brought his downfall down from the place that he never thought he'd have an issue in the first place. Look at the miracles that Borei Olam does for a Jew that steps up to their mission in life, to their calling. Find your calling and find your mission and you'll find happiness. To define happiness in this world is to define fulfillment. Roll up your sleeves and start working at what makes or basically brings out your essence, your mission in this world. This is the opening words of Mesilat Yisharim. Every person needs to stop for a minute and ask, what is my job in this world? What am I doing here? Not all of us are going to be put in the castles of Ahasuerosh. Maybe our missions not necessarily is on a national level. Maybe it's on a uh, domestic level. Maybe our mission was to bring shalom to families. Maybe our missions was to do chesed, to spread Torah and Klal Yisrael. Maybe our missions were to bring up banim talmidei chachamim. And none of these missions are better or worse than any of the other. They're all vibrant. They're all incredibly important. And the mission that you have, nobody else in Klali Israel can do but you. So says Borei Olam, I'm counting on you. And that's why I keep making the phone ring. I keep sending you calls. Answer the call. Answer your mission in life. From somebody who's a very Baruch Hashem busy person, I want to tell you, 
that it's a gift and a grace from Bore Olam that the phone keeps ringing and ringing. Believe me, you'd rather the phone ring nonstop and drive you crazy than for the phone to stop ringing completely. You'd rather get those phone calls to hook than to stop getting those calls completely. It's the greatest thank you and gift. Thank you, Abba, that you still send me opportunities in life. You still give me the ability to stand up and to do more and more in the missions of Klal Yisrael. And you want to hear a secret. Do you want to hear how these things work? It starts with even those small callings. And I want to tell you that the secret to becoming a big person starts with small opportunities. Please hear me on this one again. The secret to becoming a big person is starting with small opportunities. But grab them. Grab them with two hands. You have an ability to do a chesed. You have an ability to bring a shalom. You have an ability to do whatever it is that's knocking on your door. This is Hashem talking to you. Pick up your messages. Answer the call. Start with a small opportunity. But that opportunity becomes bigger. And then bigger comes along right behind it. And then more and more. And before you know it, you turn around. And you're like, Lahavdil, Lahavdil, forgive me. But as a mashal, the guy that walked into that gym for the first time, he walks up to the trainer. He says, I'm ready to start weightlifting. Do you think they hand him a barbell with 100 pounds? He would pass out in two seconds. Just at the look of all those plates on the dumbbell. No, they start him and they lay him on the bench press and they simply allow him to hold the bar itself. That's it. He starts with the bar. The bar weighs 20 pounds. They make him do a few reps. And then what do they put on the bar? A few cookies, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, then a few donuts, 80 pounds, 100 pounds. After a few months... The guy looks back and says, look at this. When I first came in, I was hardly able to lift the bar. Now, he's lifting hundreds of pounds. He says, I can't believe what I'm able to lift. When it comes to ruchaniyut, Hashem sends you a small opportunity. Grab it. Do it with passion. Do it with all your heart. Say, thank you, Borei Olam. Abba, you found me. Raui. You sent me an opportunity to do. Please let the phone keep ringing. Please send me more opportunities. That opportunity gives birth to bigger opportunities, to bigger callings. Answer those calls. And then you'll see how before you know it, you turn around and you look around. You're carrying more weight of opportunities. So many people, so much chizuk, so much chesed, so much fulfillment that you're living up to in life, that you never thought that you were capable of in the first place. Look at the weight you're able to carry. It is incredible. You know, there is someone that comes here many times, and he talks about chesed to Klali Israel. His name is Avi Cohen. He's a good friend of mine. I'm very lucky these days that I actually have his wonderful son, Yonatan, with me in my class these days in 12th grade in yeshiva. I want to tell you this is a stellar family. These are people that are true Baalei Chesed. And if you ever listen to them, how Avi Cohen 
And also, I mentioned Nisim in the beginning of the Dirasha. They have an hour of chesed week after week, and they put out such opportunities to klal Yisrael, whether it be gemachim, whether it be any help or hand that another Jew needs. I remember years back, I don't know how many years it was, but I remember in the beginning. I remember when Avi Kohen, when he was starting just in the beginning with Eshel Shabbat, because a lot of my young guys at that time were getting involved with him. He came down to our yeshiva years ago, before he had the warehouses and the assembly lines of I don't know how many people today packing up boxes, sending out food to people who need for Shabbat. I'm talking about when they first began with the family of the Stavrashes and with, 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 with Avi Kohn and his crew and so many of these. They were starting with a handful of families. I remember this years ago. But they had a mission. They saw that there were people in the communities around us who Pashut did not have food for Shabbat. And they couldn't believe it. Here in America, in the land that flows milk and money, there are actually people who don't have food for Shabbat. But yes, it was a reality. And it wasn't something that they were ready to ignore. They got a calling. They stood up to it. And sure enough, they started to arrange. They opened their eyes and passion to the hearts and so many of these people in need. And they started with a few families. And from there, I, I, I remember it, the downstairs of Har Lebanon, after that they got a place on Nostrin. It was unbelievable how they started with just a few, but they answered the call. Hashem made miracles through them, great success. And from a few families came more families and more families. And today, I don't even know what the number of the hundreds of families that they're feeding every single week. Hundreds of families have food for Shabbat Kodesh because years back, a Jew came along and decided to step up and answer a call. This is what life is about. This is happiness. This is fulfillment. These are the gifts of Bore Olam, the opportunities that he sends us each and every day. You would rather the phone ring and ring and ring Believe me, it's music to our ears. Better that that phone rings than chas v'shalom if it doesn't ring at all. I'd like to share with you an incredible story. This is something that I heard over in the name of one of my best friends growing up together, Chaim Rosenfeld, Hashem should really give him the strength to continue to do the amazing things he does in Sinai Academy. Me and Rabbi Rosenfeld were really, specially close. Recently I heard he said over a story that I thought was fantastic. I'd like to share it with you. Did anyone out there hear of a guy by the name of Eddie Jacobson? And by the way, what you're about to hear now, I know it's going to sound so incredible. You can go out and Google this story. You'll see the details. And I, I'm hoping that it'll blow you away. The way it really, it took me, took me by storm. I know that if I would ask you, did you ever hear of uh, Ben-Gurion, your answer would be yes. If I'd ask you if you ever heard of Moshe Dayan, probably. Chaim Weitzman, yes, probably as well. But if I turn and I'd ask you, did you ever hear of someone by the name of Eddie Jacobson, 
I think you'd probably draw a blank, just like the way I did before I heard this story. Let me tell you this incredible story. Back in the year, in 1948, Chaim Weitzman was on his way to the United States. He was on his way to the White House. He was scheduled to have a monumental meeting with President Harry Truman at the time. Now, this was really an important meeting. The UN was going to vote on that famous vote whether the United States and the countries of the world were going to recognize the state of Israel. And if only Chaim Weitzman can convince Harry Truman that the United States should vote in favor of recognizing the state of Israel, all the other Western countries would follow suit as well. This was an important meeting. However, when Harry Truman heard that Chaim Weitzman was on his way to the White House, Truman sent Chaim Weitzman a message. Don't bother coming. Turn around and go back to Palestine. And then the word came out. You see, a few weeks earlier, there was a delegation of Israelis that came to the White House and sat with President Harry Truman. And the conversation, the negotiations, didn't really go the way the Israelis wanted to. And they got very upset, and they started to yell and scream at President Truman. The president was so upset that they were screaming and yelling at him in such a disrespectful way that he stormed out of the meeting, and he promised to himself... He will never help Palestine or Israel or any of the Israelis that will turn to him in the future. And he was staunch, set on his promise that he was not going to change his mind. Sure enough, weeks later, here is now Chaim Weitzman coming to the United States to speak to Harry Truman about voting in the UN to recognize Israel as a state. Truman held well to his promise. He was a very strong-hearted person, and he said, no way. You remember what they did to me weeks ago? There's no way I'm going to look or even talk to one of them again. I don't want to hear about Palestine or Israel. Tell them to turn around and go home. And there was nothing that they were able to say or even apologize that was able to bring Chaim Weitzman into the White House on that very important meeting. Well, the Israelis got an idea. Word has it that there was a young Jewish man by the name of Eddie Jacobson who was Harry Truman's best friend. And they said, what? President Truman has a best friend, a Jewish guy? Who is this guy, Eddie Jacobson? It turns out that Eddie Jacobson grew up in Kansas. He came from a family from Europe in the early 1900s who, due to business reasons, decided to settle down in Kansas. At the time, Eddie Jacobson was only 15 years old. He ended up meeting a boy a little bit older than him by the name of Harry Truman, who they became best friends together in Kansas. And then World War I broke out, and both Eddie Jacobson and Harry Truman were both drafted into the American, into the United States Army. The way the Hashgacha had it, the way Hashem ran this genius plan of Hashgacha, Eddie Jacobson and Harry Truman, best friends, turned out to be in the same unit, in the same platoon in the army as well. They literally fought side by side through World War I. 
rumor has it that Eddie actually even saved Harry, Harry Truman's life once in the war. And they stayed, remained best friends, and now through the war in the same unit, they were fighting buddies and blood brothers. Finally, World War I is over. Harry Truman and Eddie Jacobson, best friends, survivors of the war. They come back to the United States, and they come back to Kansas, clicking their shoes together with their eyes closed, saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. They come back to Kansas and start over a life again anew. And now, as best friends, Eddie Jacobson and Harry Truman go into business together as business partners. They opened up a men's store, something similar to a Barney's, a whole array of different men's clothing, one-stop shop. They were very successful at first, until, until 1929. 1929, the Great Depression here in the United States. The stock market crashes, and all small businesses go belly up. And so, too, Harry and Eddie's men's store business goes bankrupt, and they lose everything. Harry decides that he's going to try his hand in politics, and he's going to go his own way. Harry Truman goes into politics, while Eddie Jacobson decides that he's going to go back into business and give another shot. Eddie Jacobson goes on and becomes successful in business, and Harry Truman goes on into politics and becomes very successful as well, making his way up till finally elected as the president of the United States. President Harry Truman, with a Jewish best friend back at home, an old business partner, a war friend and buddy, all the way back from the young days in Kansas, Eddie Jacobson. The Israelis call up Eddie, and they say, Eddie, Israel needs you. The Jewish people need you. You have to help us. We know that you're Harry Truman's best friend, longtime friend and business partner. Now's your moment for your people. We desperately need you to go to the White House and speak to Harry Truman and plead with him and ask him, please, to reconsider and get him to meet Chaim Weitzman. If he doesn't meet him, the United States will not vote to recognize Israel in the great UN vote of 48. Please, Eddie, you got to do this for the Jewish people. Eddie smiles and he says, what are you talking about? I haven't spoken to Harry Truman in years. You know, we were old friends many, many years ago, but once he became president, we were totally lost touch. You expect me to just walk into the White House and just say, hi, Harry, how are you? I need you to visit. I need you to meet Chaim Weitzman. It doesn't work that way. <coughs> He's the president of the United States. They pleaded with Eddie. They said, Eddie, you don't understand. God forbid. Could you imagine? We just came from a Holocaust. The Jewish people, they need a place to start coming back home to. Now, ladies and gentlemen, before I go on with this story, I don't want you to think for one minute that anything that you're about to hear goes to credit to anyone. This all you're watching as we unfold are the pieces of the puzzle that Borea Olam was from behind the scenes manipulating with incredible hashgacha pratit. All of this was Hashem's master plan, step by step, 
to reopen the doors of the Eretz HaKodesh to allow it to make it easier for Klal Yisrael to come back to Eretz Yisrael. How many Ba'alei Teshuvah, how much did we gain from the moments that we were able to come back to the Eretz HaKodesh even under these days of Galut? Nonetheless, let me tell you, the brilliant plan of Bore Olam, for it's only he who gets the credit of everything. And here are the pawns in the story. They're pleading with Eddie, Eddie, please, for the Jewish people. They need a homeland. They need a place to come back to after a Holocaust. This is your moment for the Jewish people. Don't let your people down. Eddie says, well, if you put it like that, how could I say no? I'll do it, but my results are not guaranteed at all. I'll give it a shot, but I don't think I'm going to succeed. Eddie stepped up to this unbelievable moment of a calling, and he traveled out to the White House. And you know, in those years, in 48, you were actually able to walk right up to the front door of the White House. He walked up to the front door and knocked. Secret Service came out, and he said, could you please let the president know that a man from Kansas by the name of Eddie Jacobson is here to see the president. When they went into Truman and told him that Eddie, Eddie is by the front door, the president was so moved. He was thrilled. He came running out of the Oval Office and he ran and gave, he gave Eddie a hug. Eddie, I haven't seen you in years. It's so good to see you, my friend. What brings you to Washington? You were sightseeing. You're in the neighborhood. Come on in. He brings him into the Oval Office. He sits him down. He says, tell me, Eddie, let's catch up on old times. They talk about family. They talk about the old days. And then finally he says, so tell me, Eddie, what are you doing here? And Eddie Jacobson, he, uh, he looks down for a moment. He smiles. And he says, Harry, I need to ask you a really big favor. He says, go ahead, Eddie, anything. Ad chatsiyam malchut v'te'as. Ask whatever you need. Tell me whatever you need. And Eddie smiles and he says, I really need you to do this favor. Please, can you meet, to, can you meet with Chaim Weitzman? He's on his way here. I'm begging you, please, for the Jewish people, just meet with him once. Harry Truman, he gets so upset. He stands up. He's red in the face. And he says, what? They put you up to this? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know they had a whole delegation of guys who came down here yelling and screaming at me? You know how disrespectful they were? I'm the president of the United States. I made a promise. No Palestine, no Israel. I will not help anyone that has anything to do with that. The answer is no. Eddie? Don't even bring it up again. The answer is no. Ay, ay, ay. Eddie drops his head. Okay. If the answer is no, the answer is no. Harry Truman was still all shaken up. He turns around and he's looking out the window. He wouldn't even look at Eddie. And Eddie says, well, I guess I got to be going, Harry. Eddie stands up and he's about to leave. And suddenly there's a little voice inside of him. And this little voice, this little voice of a neshama cries out to Eddie, Eddie, 
ממש the words of Mordechai to Esther. אם האחרש תחרישי בעת הזאת. If you're going to stay quiet at this moment, Hashem has many ways of saving the Jewish people and bringing them a homeland. But who knows? Who knows why all these years? Who knows why you were brought up in Kansas? Why you were meant to meet at such a young age, a young boy by the name of Harry Truman, who later on you were going to go to the army with and somehow end up in the same unit. to come back, to go into business with as a partner, to later on be the best friend of the future president of the United States of America. Don't you think it was for this moment? Don't you see that everything in your life evolved around this calling? Are you going to walk away now? Could you possibly stay quiet? Eddie turns around. And he says, Harry, Truman turns around and looks at him. He says, Harry, I see on your desk that you have a statue of Andrew Jackson. I remember his kids. Your role model, your idol, your icon, as growing up was always Andrew Jackson. Used to read books about Andrew Jackson. Used to tell us stories about Andrew Jackson. And used to tell us always how much he meant to you. Harry Truman says, yeah. That statue on my desk, every time I look at it, it gives me tremendous strength to go on to be a leader and the American president. I told you, if you remember when we were young, that one day I, like Andrew Jackson, is going to become president. And take a look, here I am today in the Oval Office. And he says, yes, I, I remember. I remember that Andrew Jackson meant to you. I know that he was your role model in life. I know what he meant to you. Harry, Mr. President, says Eddie, I want to tell you something. I also have a role model, and his name is Chaim Weitzman. And as much as Andrew Jackson means to you, Chaim Weitzman means to me, and maybe even more. Harry, I'm asking you, please, for me, meet with Chaim Weitzman. You don't have to say a word. Just hear him out. Just hear what he has to say. Please, Harry, for me. Truman gets all quiet. He turns around, and he looks back out the window of the Oval Office, and he stands there for over a half an hour in silence, just looking out the window, trying to make a decision. Now, Eddie was a little nervous. The last time Harry Truman looked out of that window for a long period of time, Harry Truman looked out the Oval Office window for two and a half days when he made that famous decision that you and I all know about when he decided to drop the atom bomb on Hiroshima in World War II. And now here is Eddie staring at the back of the head of Harry Truman as he's looking out that same fateful window, making another decision That's going to have tremendous historical ramifications. Eddie was only hoping that this time, too, he doesn't turn around and drop a bomb on him. After a half hour, in silence, Harry turns around. And with a smirkish smile, he looks at Eddie Jacobson and says, All right, Eddie. For you. I'll meet him. 
I'll meet Chaim Weitzman. I'll meet him for you. The next day, Chaim Weitzman came to the White House. The, weeni- the meeting went fantastic, very well. And only days after that, President Harry Truman, the United States of America, through the great Hashgacha and the genius plan of Borei Olam, stood up to be from the first of the Western countries to endorse and recognize the state of Israel and all the other Western countries followed in suit. This is a moment that a Jew is standing by a mission and a calling in life. Could you imagine how much is riding on that moment? How much we need to deliver at those times. And every time the phone rings, it might not necessarily always be as magnanimous and huge as the great callings of Esther HaMalka in the house of Ahasuerosh. It might not have been this unbelievable moment of opportunity for an Eddie Jacobson growing up in Kansas, best friends with a Harry Truman later on to become president of the United States. But every single phone call is a big deal to you because that might be the beginning of your calling, your mission, your legacy of why Borea Olam put you here in this world. And again, the secret to big people starts with small opportunities. It could be a chesed. It could be the ability to bring shalom between neighbors. It could be the ability to bring shalom between family members. It could be the time or the moment that you could step up and say a nice word to make a shiduch for a young man or a young girl that's been waiting their whole life to finally have the opportunity to start a home of their own. It could be a chesed that someone needed so desperately at that moment, even if it wasn't convenient for you to do it at that moment. But it was a calling. And if they called upon you, it was meant for you. Nothing happens randomly. There's no coincidences in this world. If you got that call, Shamayim is waiting in hush, waiting to see. What are you going to do at this moment? What are you going to do with this opportunity? Close your eyes and jump in. The results that Borei Olam already has all worked out. Miracles upon miracles, he'll throw our way just to get our opportunities to succeed and be successful and fulfilling. Our place is to decide to jump and deliver. And the more we deliver, the more opportunities we get to deliver in the future as well. Nobody wants to go through life being ordinary. We all have the unbelievable kohot to be great people. Here's the secret of being a big person. It starts with small opportunities. This is Rabbi Duvi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham thanking you again with great hakaratatov giving me this opportunity to be able to speak with you, to be able to share with you. Ay, Borei Olam should give us all the chizuk that we need. He should be mechazek, the radio station. If you want to know an opportunity, here it is. How many thousands of people benefit from this unbelievable organization of J-Root Radio? 
You want to be mechazek, klali Israel? You don't have to go to the castles of Ashverosh or the White House of Harry Truman. Help this radio station. They're reaching the lives of people. They're changing klali Israel. Unbelievably ba'ale, unbelievable ba'alei teshuvah have came out of this radio station. When I say ba'alei teshuvah, I'm talking about even us who are Bar Hashem religious and listening. But how much inspiration, how much chizuk we've gotten over the years from so many wonderful shiurim and the selfless efforts behind the scenes from Nisim and his crew. Here's the opportunity. Now we're knocking on your door. This is a moment to come and help now before Pesach. Help the station be able to continue to be Marbit's Torah. I can tell you on my own testifying that there are young children from Williamsburg to Borough Park to Flatbush that they walk up to me as young as the age of six years old to elderly people in their 70s. It hits everybody. The inspiration is hitting an unbelievable audience of Klal Yisrael. Come help this radio station to continue. Call up. Give from your hearts. This is an opportunity that's crying out now to you. Help us to inspire so we could be Zochef finally that our opportunities will finally have the perot on this great month of Geulah of Nisan, Haba'aleinu Litova. Benisan, Niga'alu Yisrael, u Benisan, Atidim Liga'el. Thank you for listening.